The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 77th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week, as well as discuss my event of the week that I covered. Also, in a few minutes, we will be joined by a friend of the show, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, and later, our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department, will call in. Well, my highlight of the week was the high drama in the baseball playoffs, with walk-offs abounding uh, yesterday in D.C., the other night in Oakland, and, of course, at Yankee Stadium. So yesterday it was Jason Wirth uh, hitting the walk-off to set, set up a Game 5 tonight in D.C., and it reminded me of when J.D. Drew, another high-priced free agent with a somewhat disappointing career with his new team, uh, when J.D. Drew stepped up in Game 7 against the Cleveland Indians in 07, hit a grand slam and basically earned $70 million with one swing. I felt that Jason Worth basically did the uh, same thing with last, yesterday's home run. So great theater, and it's going to be great in D.C. tonight. Coco Crisp, uh, former Red Sox player, um, been coming up big. All year, particularly in the postseason, he's that veteran presence with that young A's team uh, that bowed out last night to the Tigers. But Coco made an unbelievable catch uh, the other uh, couple days ago in the playoffs. It was just remarkable, maybe the catch of the year. And then had the walk-off uh, late the other night. So hats off to Coco Crisp. But nothing was better than Raul Abanez hitting the two home runs in Yankee Stadium to uh, to extend that series. Uh, highest of high drama, to say the least. Uh, one bottom of the ninth to tie it. The other to win it. Uh, both first pitch home runs. It was just uh, 
something to see. And that leads uh, right into my bizarre story of the week, which is what opened the door for Abanez, which is the sudden and swift demise of Alex Rodriguez. A-Rod has just literally fallen off the shelf. It's almost like he's forgotten how to swing at a baseball. Uh, it's reminded me of two things. Uh, Steve Blass, former pitcher of the Pirate, uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, who basically uh, acquired slash invented what's now, now known as Steve Blass disease, where basically he woke up one day and could no longer pitch. Uh, being from the Pittsburgh area, I had a ringside seat. For all of that, and it was unbelievable to watch. Um, again, Chuck Knobloch, another player who is uh, suddenly in Steve Sachs, two players who suddenly couldn't throw to first from their second base position. And lastly, another one, uh, Jim Rice, Hall of Famer from the Boston Red Sox, who had a great career, but Jen, again, just woke up one day and basically could no longer hit. So, we'll have to wait and see what develops with A-Rod. Uh, big night for him tonight. Will he be in the lineup or won't he? It's added a lot of drama to uh, to the drama that's always surrounding the Yankees. Uh, so, it's going to be great tonight. Uh, again, two game five, starting at five o'clock. And... Uh, Baseball playoffs has just been awesome so far. My low light of the week is the Kansas City Chiefs booing Matt Castle when he was sacked and injured last week. Particularly shocking to me since Kansas City Chiefs fans have always been considered quite possibly the best in the NFL. Uh, it's known to be a collegiate atmosphere. They all wear red. The tailgating before Chiefs games is absolutely legendary, and they're known for that. Midwestern friendliness, shall we say. So for them, of all fan bases in the NFL, to be the ones that would just uh, cheer the injury of a player is just stunning to me. It really is. I actually know some Kansas City Chiefs season ticket holders Nice people, and again, just the last group you'd ever expect. And plus, for it to happen to Matt Castle, of all people, who is just basically uh, as nice a guy as they come. I covered him up here with the Patriots, uh, often was part of the media throng interviewing him in the locker room when he was Tom Brady's backup, and then, of course, he uh, filled in admirably, had a great season the year that... Uh, Brady hurt his knee in the first game and uh, uh, took the Patriots to, I believe, an 11-5 and record, just missed the playoffs, and that, of course, led to his big contract with the Chiefs. So, bad scene all around, just surprising, and uh, again, the Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman speaking out against him was uh, some of the great rhetoric from an athlete we've seen in recent years, to put it mildly. My event of the week that I attended was the Connecticut Sun going down last night to the Indiana Fever at home in a deciding game three. Uh, it ended the season for the Suns and their quest for their first WNBA championship. It was a blowout, needless to say. Um, and 
again, just absolutely quieted the crowd beyond belief. It reminded me a lot of when I covered the Game 6 Celtics heat up here uh, last June when uh, basically everybody in Boston was ready for a big party at the at the Garden and LeBron James come in and just went off uh, in what is now a legendary game, what I think will be his breakthrough game as his career moves along. And same thing last night. Uh, the final was 87-71. What was particularly surprising was uh, Fever star Katie Douglas went down midway through the first quarter with a severe, excruciating-looking uh, ankle injury. Uh, last Friday, she put on an absolute show in Game 1, left-handed jump shooter, uh, she was just raining threes down on the sun and was just having a dominant series. So, as often happens, you never know how it's going to go, but she goes down and basically the fever rallied and just uh, absolutely hammered the sun. There's just no nice way to put it. Uh, the game was very simply over and done with in the first half and can be described easily. The Fever shot 7 for 7 from three-point land, and the Sun, a good three-point shooting team, shot 0 for 10. That was it. Ball game right there. Uh, the score at halftime was the Fever up 43 to 24, took the crowd out of the game, and uh, again, it was just, you know, Disappointing for Sun fans. They filled Mohegan Sun Arena. It was one of the louder, it was maybe the loudest crowd I've heard, having covered the team all year and also some games last year. And everybody showed up ready for a party and for the Sun to win at home. They earned it. They had the best record in the Eastern Conference. They earned that home game for the deciding game three. And they just couldn't cash in. Tamika Catchings, uh, was huge uh, for Indiana, had a great game. She's the daughter of Harvey Ketchings, former NBA player, and was a league MVP uh, not long ago at all. So uh, it will be the Fever versus the Minnesota Lynx now in the WNBA Finals, and the Sun are left to uh, lick their wounds and basically... Uh, figure out where they go from here. So, uh, again, for all Suns fans, very disappointing. It was a very, very physical game, uh, to say the least, uh, which is what led to Katie Douglas's injury. Uh, and then from that point on, I mean, the fever started out on fire. They kept it up, raining threes, and uh, it was just their night Got a hand it to them. They won, as opposed to the Sun losing, and it was uh, it was just again a sad end uh, to the Sun season. So, as now, as my former co-host Lemont Williams from outside the huddle likes to say, it's time to pay some bills. So let's take our break, and next up will be AP Stedham of Bama Magazine. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. We some hard hitters. 
be some hard hitters. Hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard hitting radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go. You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 1- 888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests joining us, and on the line is friend of the show, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, John. I'm down here in L.A., that's lower Alabama, just about 25 miles from the Gulf of Mexico, and it's a bright, sunny day. It's hot, and uh, couldn't be uh, feeling better. The L.A. that people didn't know about. I like it. I like it. Well, A.P., it's good to have you on the show. It's uh, It's been a few weeks, and uh, we've missed having you on, but glad you could join us today. And let's start off with uh, the fact that we in the sports media are saddened today by the death yesterday of Bino Cook. As my listeners know, I grew up in Pittsburgh. Bino is a Pittsburgh guy, truly a pioneer in sports journalism uh, in all in many many different areas. And uh, AP, I know you have some thoughts on Bino as well. Yeah, he was he was a delightful person. He was an encyclopedia of knowledge for college football, and he was witty and funny, and uh, he was direct and blunt, and I enjoyed that part of his personality as well. Uh, I had a chance to talk to him, John, two or three years ago. I was checking out a, the first primetime SEC football game ever broadcast was in 1969 with Archie Manning when he was really hot and Scott Hunter was the quarterback for Alabama. It was uh, October 4th in 69. And uh, that game didn't come about uh, without a phone call from Rune Arledge down to Coach Bryant. And Bina was in the office there in New York. And uh, he called down to Coach Bryant, uh, Rune Arliss did, and said, uh, we'd like to do the game, and is there any issue uh, about televising a night game in Birmingham? Well, uh, Coach said, you know, we have a little problem with the candle lights. 
you know, the, the um, nighttime lights. And, and Coach Bryant said, well, we'll get it done because I'll talk to the mayor, and if he doesn't get it, uh, you know, fixed in the stadium, he won't be reelected. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Bear Bryant. And, and, uh, yeah, and Bino said he, he would swear on a stack of Bibles that that story was true. Yeah, that's a great story. That really is. Uh, Bear Bryant, most powerful man in Alabama, as many football coaches are to this day. But I think it all started with Bear Bryant, needless to say. Yeah, uh, in that conversation, Bino said the three most beloved Southerners are Robert E. Lee, Stonewall Jackson, and Coach Bryant, and not necessarily in that order. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, that's terrific. Well, Bino, again, he'll be missed. Uh, he was a trailblazer by any standard. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, his career began in the sports information office at University of Pittsburgh. And he, again, really uh, spearheaded the early days of ESPN's college football coverage and really, you know, helped put it on the map. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, he, he just was the guy that, that got it going. Uh, and it's just continued ever since, needless to say. And so, again, we're, we're sad today with the passing of Bino, and uh, he, was, he was a legend. There's no other way to say it, for sure. He sure was. Well, speaking of Alabama, I know that you've covered them for years, and AP, they are just looking like a juggernaut uh They've just been so impressive. I mean, what Nick Saban has built now is just, uh, it's a machine. What are your observations of the Tide so far? Yeah, John, I wasn't, I guess my, my surprise is that the defense is playing as well with replacing six and seven starters from last year. I mean, these are guys that are in the NFL, first and second round draft choices, and they're just, you know, playing exceptional. Um, these young guys, it seems like they're, they're cookie cutters. He just, Puts out linebackers there, six two, six three, two thirty, and run with the wind. And defensive backs that'll, you know, get up right in your jersey and follow you to the popcorn stand. They're just outstanding, and and that's the difficulty on the secondary. Of course, of seeing if they can gel. It's not the talent per se. It's can they gel and communicate effectively to make sure that last line of defense is is not uh, torched for a long touchdown or something. And you know, Michigan got a few long passes on them, but overall, you, you, any Alabama fan, they, there's really, there, there's not anything to complain about. I mean, Nick Saban, he's having his way with everyone. He most certainly is. And then AJ McCarron, uh, I remember, you know, back before the beginning of last season, uh, you know, there was a little bit of a question as to who would be the Alabama quarterback, and uh, Nick Saban obviously chose correctly. A.J. McCarron had a great year last year uh, for his first year as the starter, and it was just, you know, and now he just has matured into just a, uh, you know, very solid player for the Tide, to put it mildly. I mean, he, he's uh, he's the perfect person to run that show right now. Yeah, AJ is really developed, and he has an air of confidence now that he didn't last year. I mean, to be the yep. quarterback at the University of Alabama, that's not for the faint of heart. And he performed uh, well enough last year on some of the bigger stages, you know, up at Penn State and in, in yep. Tennessee, and those stadiums on the road. And then, of course, the championship game, they relied on him with, they threw, I think, it was 25 passes in the first half. 
And but now he has the command of the offense, and he's the the field field general for his team. Yeah, well, you know, I myself am salivating at the potential already of watching Alabama and that defense play Oregon in the BCS National Championship game. I just think uh had the pleasure to watch both teams. I mean, Oregon is just doing things we haven't seen before on offense. And, uh, you know, sitting here today, I mean, that, that's the game I want to see, and I don't think I'm alone. No, John, I think you're correct. I mean, you have the the West Coast and the, and the South and the, the, the speed team on offense, the way they, they run that particular scheme, and Alabama's more of a hard-nosed uh, defensive team. They like to run the football occasionally with that play-action pass, get it downfield if they can. But I, I don't think there's any other ma- – I mean, I don't think there's any other matchup that people want to see at this point of the uh, of the season. Uh, you know, Oregon, it would be fantastic. They've never played. Oregon and Alabama never played, so that would be great in itself. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I mean, the Auburn-Oregon game was a excellent national championship game. And, uh, you know, I, I think we would see more of the same. Uh, I just think it would be, again, a, a great matchup. And uh, so Bama has Missouri, the SEC's newest entrant, along with one or two others uh, this year. And what do you expect with tomorrow's game? Yeah, that, it's another no-huddle offense that Alabama will face, so they should be in good condition. They're getting used to playing these types of teams. Missouri is really short-handed. They're playing their backup quarterback, redshirt freshman, which is kind of difficult to play against the number one defense, and uh, it makes it even more uh, of a test for him because the offensive line is kind of a patchwork group. So... Uh, I don't know. I think I think Alabama is a twenty-point favorite, I believe, and to be on the road to be that much of a favorite, uh, you know. And Missouri's got, you know, had a, they got a good program, but just they have a lot of injuries and things, and they had, had a poor start. They haven't won an SEC game, so they struggled against Vanderbilt. I think the backup quarterback was like nine for thirty last week. So it it take a monumental effort. It'd be the greatest defeat ever for. Uh, Alabama to lose that game probably, and uh, Missouri to win be their greatest win probably. Have the number one team in town. Uh, they haven't been there, John, since uh, 1978. Really, Alabama went up to Columbia, Missouri, and uh, that was the first time Alabama ever beat Missouri. Wow! They had a yeah, had Kellen Winslow, and I know you like the baseball too. Phil Bradley was the quarterback for Missouri. He took off down the sideline, ran about 70 yards. I think it put him ahead 20 to 17 at halftime. Alabama had to come back. Uh, win thirty-eight to twenty, but Missouri holds a uh, two-to-one uh, lead in the series. Actually, wow! Uh, wow! Well, I think that's going to get evened up tomorrow. I um, so. you know, well, I, I, they can't pull it off with you know the freshman quarterback. You talk about a welcome to the SEC moment. Uh, that that poor kid's going to have one tomorrow. Needless to say, but you know. That aside, I mean, you know, Missouri, uh, in the past, you know, they remind me of Boston College, uh, you know, the way Boston College was up until just the last couple of years, where on any given day, they were capable and often have pulled, you know, major upsets, especially at home. But, again, they're not going to do it with a freshman quarterback. But, uh, you know, it's... uh, you know, going to be fun to watch Alabama. I mean, it's already 
pointing towards November 3rd with LSU, although I think LSU is uh, not the team maybe that we thought they were going to be. Yeah, they're really struggling, John. Last year, or when I try to analyze any team, I, I'm looking for the players that I fear, that I would fear if I was having to scheme against them. And I don't see anyone on LSU. You know, L- Odell Beckham Jr., he has the ability, but he's not been playing very well. You know, they have some very good running backs, big, tough, strong guys, but no one that I I would be afraid to uh, for Alabama to compete against. So in the quarterback, I don't know if they're letting him operate like he thought, and uh, they're re- really struggling right now. So, you know, defensively, they, they play hard and they're strong, big and strong and fast. But last year, John, they they scored so many points. They scored 500 points last year. The, I think Mississippi State held them down a little bit. But everybody else besides Alabama, they put 30, 40 points on them. But that's definitely not the same team. Oh, no way. And I think, you know, the loss of the Honey Badger, you know, uh, hurt as people expected it would, and a lot of people, although some people thought, you know, well, they'll just send, you know, put in another, you know, stud recruit in there, and there won't be a beat missed. But the the Honey Badger is a special player, and you just, the circumstances yeah, you and timing. a changer like that, John, when your offense is down, you get someone to, to score defensively or, or special teams, it, it can really ignite your offense, believe it or not. It, you know, even if offense was flat, they'll, they'll come to life somehow from watching, you know, a teammate bring them back. Oh, absolutely. That, no, game, game changer. Game changer is the phrase for to describe the honey badger. It'll be interesting, you know, just as an aside to see uh, how his career develops from this point on. But speaking of career development, uh, I want to get your opinion on Geno Smith, uh, quarterback of West Virginia. I used to cover the Mountaineers and interviewed Gino along with other media at Big East Football Media Day a year ago, August 2011. was mm-hmm. very impressed with his demeanor that day. And, uh, you know, always liked his game, but I had no idea he was capable of doing what he's doing. And I happened to tune in to his uh, 70.8 touchdown performance against Baylor. I was watching because, you know, the game was from... Mountaineer Field there and uh, in Morgantown. It's amazing what he's doing. What are your thoughts? Yeah, now he's the player of, that I've been watching in college football this year that uh, I'm very impressed with his uh, presence in the pocket. He has many playmakers around him. It's just not one player. I mean, it's just not him. And that, that makes a big difference. And, you know, he has a, a good arm and he's accurate and uh, doesn't make mistakes throwing it down the field. Uh, the only time you've seen him, he's fumbled a few times. Right. But but he would scare the daylights out of me if I was a defensive coordinator. And if you ever got behind by double digits to him and he was on a roll, that'd be a long evening. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I think he, you know, Proved a lot to a lot of people when he went into uh, Austin last week against the University of Texas in front of 100,000-plus, and uh, he did have a couple fumbles, but, you know, obviously played a great game, led him to victory, and if I'm not mistaken, his stats are now uh, 24 touchdowns, zero interceptions. I think that's correct. Yeah, the numbers are... Unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable. The interception part is the, 
ones that that catches your eye. And if I was to have a Heisman Bowl, he he would be getting mine. It's his to lose. I mean, he is just, you know, lapped the field at this point in time uh, here in mid-October. And again, uh, he, you know, it's his to lose, and I don't think he's going to lose it. Uh, Another interesting storyline I wanted to get your thoughts on is just, you know, Penn State. Uh, You know, when they went 0-2, I just thought, that's it. They're cooked, and, you know, basically they're uh, the effect of everything that's gone on is taking hold. But lo and behold, they've uh, bounced back and won four games. Uh, and, you know, they're they're looking pretty formidable, much more so uh, than anybody thought, and undefeated in the Big Ten. Yeah, they're really a, a, a nice-looking ball club. I mean, I was like you. I was getting out the shovel with the dirt and ready right. to pile it on them. But sure. they proved that, you know, everybody wrong. I mean, they beat a, a Northwestern team that was undefeated. Yep. And they're playing with confidence. And I know, I noticed one thing, John, maybe you, you took note. The coach, he appears anytime he, he can on the radio or the TV, and he's really promoting yes. the program. Bill O'Brien, absolutely. Obviously, watched him up close here as Patriots offensive coordinator. It's his first ever head coaching job. He does have a background in college, obviously coached Tom Brady. But, yes, uh, he's become the mouthpiece of the program, public relations extraordinaire, and just not what I would have expected. But, you know, he, he really doesn't have a choice, but he's, he's stepping up big time to, again, you, you know, just get his message oh, yeah, out he, there. He sure is. Uh John, I was going to ask you this question. Is there another team besides Oregon that you would think has a chance to get to that title game? For instance, I'm looking at some of the undefeated teams, you know, like a Kansas State or, you know, West Virginia. Well, West Virginia, I think, has got a chance. It's just that they have to score so many points to win because of the defensive liability. But, uh, you know, kind of uh, an interesting team is Notre Dame. Notre Dame. I agree. I, I would list West Virginia as a, a team to watch uh, until proven otherwise. And, yes, Notre Dame, uh, big test tomorrow against Stanford. And, uh, yeah, I, I would put West Virginia and Notre Dame uh, probably at the top of the list as, you know, potentially getting to the national championship game. I think South Carolina and Florida, both excellent teams. Uh I think, you know, as you know better than anyone, uh, getting through an SEC season just wears you out and usually uh, <laughs> you lose a game along the way, if not two, even if you're a great team. Yeah, you're lucky if you have some depth. I mean, you, I mean Alabama so far has lost two running backs, you know, two good running backs, and right. they have the depth at this point to carry on. But anything that happens, it's a long season. Uh, that South Carolina, that defensive line impresses me. I was able to see the Javadon Clowney up in person uh, at the Under Armour game, and I was really, um, you know, his body type and the way he played with such intensity, I was really impressed with him. Number one recruit in the nation when he chose to go uh, with Spurrier in South Carolina. So he, he, you talk about game changers like the Honey Badger. Uh Clowney is one of those, to say the least. And uh, 
Well, AP, hard to believe we've come to the end of our segment, but I think we uh, got the opportunity to touch on a couple good areas of your expertise with college football and Beano Cook. So I want to thank you, as always, for taking the time to call in and join us today and enlighten us. Well, thank you, John. You're way too kind. Well, again, always our pleasure. We love having you on. And uh, have a great weekend. Enjoy the college football over the weekend. And uh, we'll look forward to having you on again soon, AP. Okay, you too, John. Thank you very much. All right, and, and enjoy L.A., Lower Alabama. I sure will. <laughs> All right, AP. And with that said, we will now take our break. Joining us on the other side will be Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. flagship station for sports voice america sports are you looking for the ultimate trail to hike maybe you're looking to do the ultimate backpacking adventure whether you're a day hiker or an all-out backpacker be sure to tune in to backpacking america's trails with host rob maureen we'll explore some of the most fascinating places on earth in addition, we'll talk about backpacking gear, including reviews, safety tips, and more. Our experts will share recipes, destinations, and skills to make backpacking the most enjoyable experience for you. Listen every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And on the line with us now is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And Barry, how are you doing today? I am excellent, John. How are you? Thanks for having me. You're, uh, you're welcome. It's our pleasure. And... Uh, I know you're headed down to New York, as you do every Friday for working at the New York Post uh, tonight. I guess I would just say you don't want to take the Deegan near Yankee Stadium for the 5 o'clock start uh, on your way down there, do you? No, you don't. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> going to be uh, – I'll be, yeah, I'll be on the West Side Highway, but not quite that late. But, yeah, it's um, 
it's going to be quite a scene in New York tonight. I mean, you know, when you talk when you talk about two teams that are as evenly matched as possible, I mean, you know, bizarre is it that you have Orioles and the Yankees? They've played 22 times this season, uh, counting the first uh, four games of this series. Each team has won 11 times. So you know, it, it's just it's just crazy. And you know, every game, with the exception of um, of game one, where the Yankees kind of broke out in that game, uh, neither team has been ahead by by one run. Uh, you, you you couldn't ask for better uh, played, better pitched, a well matched uh, series of this. Um, you know, the Yankees are going to throw CC Sabathia out there tonight. He's he's their ace. He's their he's their stopper. Uh, the Orioles are going to go with uh, Jason Hamill, who has been terrific when healthy this year. Um, you know, I expect I expect more of the same tonight. And really, it's, it's kind of you know, it's, it's hard to make a prediction as to who's going to win. Uh, you know, you almost have to go with, with the Yankees and Sabathia. However, um, you know, the the Yankees uh, hitting or lack thereof in clutch situation has been a big bone of contention in New York, especially Alex Rodriguez. Um, you know, who actually, you know, the, the unthinkable was pinch hit for the other night. And, uh, you know, in, in true uh, New York story, Hollywood, wherever you want to call it, uh, Raul Banias, who batted for uh, Alex Rodriguez at a home run to win the game. So, you know, it, it's, just, uh, it's just crazy how that's been. And, uh, you know, we may be watching, you know, the demise of Alex Rodriguez right before our eyes. I mean, you know, once, you know, he was always one of the most feared hitters in the game, but uh, he's been, he looks very, uh, very average and uh, maybe below average, uh, very pedestrian in this series. So, um, you know, the past he's had these issues of, of uh, you know, not producing in the postseason and it's happening again. And really the, the, the timing is just really poor for that as far as the Yankees are concerned. But you know what? It, it's really after after everything we've been through this year with these two teams, it comes down to one game. And, you know, uh, it's, you know as, as you like to call it, uh, you know, must be TV, and I, and I think it, it will be all of that uh, uh, late this afternoon, early this evening uh, in the Bronx. Yeah, well, it is going to be exciting. I was actually in New York City um, <clears throat> on Wednesday, and I left the city, Manhattan, at about 5 o'clock as people were coming in to Yankee Stadium for uh, for Game 3. And uh, just a lot of excitement in the city that day, and now it's two days later, and I'm sure the excitement has built. I mean, nothing like a elimination game, a deciding game at the stadium, so it's just going to be wild. But, you know, A-Rod, I mean, he, I compared him at the beginning of the show, reminded me a little of, you know, Jim Rice, uh, Hall of Famer for the Red Sox, who basically whose career just came to a screeching halt. He basically woke up one day and just could no longer hit. I don't know if that's where we're at with A-Rod, and I know he's had injury issues this year, and last year or two have been obviously a fall-off, and obviously age has something to do with it. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know if this is it or not, but what's the mood in New York regarding A-Rod? Uh, it sounds like nobody wants to see him in the lineup tonight. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's... It, Funny, you know, A Rod's always been a very polarizing personality uh, in New York. I mean, you know, when you look at, you know, people tend, I think people outside New York tend to compare uh, A Rod with Derek Jeter. I mean, you know, they both, you know, both were shortstops. Obviously, A Rod moved to third uh, when he came to New York, but both were shortstops, both were great hitters, 
both were leaders, both were iconic players. However, the big difference between Jeter and A-Rod, there's a lot of difference really between Jeter and A-Rod, but I think the one, yeah, the one major difference, if you talk to Yankee fans, um, they, you know, Derek Jeter obviously is, is an icon, is an all-time great, um, you know, we'll soon see his, uh, his number two, uh, you know, on, on the outfield fence in Monument Park, you know, he's in your members for the great Yankee stuff. Um, A-Rod, not so much. I mean, A-Rod, you know, uh, I have, you know, a lot of people I know are obviously staunch Yankee fans. You know, and, the, and, the, and the term I hear is he's not a real Yankee. You know, he's not, you know, uh, Jerry Jeter obviously grew up with the organization and, and has you know, built his reputation uh, over many, many successful seasons, many championships. And uh, A-Rod is kind of, you know, this guy that just was signed one day, this guy that makes a lot of money, this guy that is, is kind of quirky off the field and, you know, gets involved, you know, puts himself in these, you know, kind of, Bizarre situations sometimes, you know, whether it's uh, stunning himself in Central Park you know, without a shirt on, or whether it's you know being fed popcorn by uh, by Cameron Diaz at the Super Bowl, or whether it's something else. It's just kind of he always poker. find himself in these odd kind of kind of situations. So you know, it's just really uh, you know it, it's strange. But as far as like the on field goes, you know, I don't think uh, most Yankee fans really. Um, have any problem with A-Rod, you know, either being, you know, dropped down to the batting order or, you know, being left out entirely at this point. He's just not, not a favorite of the fans, never really was. And, you know, now that his play is slipping, his performance on the field is slipping, you know, you can get away with all the eccentricities off the field as long as you're performing. But once you stop performing between the lines, then, you know, everything kind of gets magnified. So I do think that, uh, you know, the skills are kind of eroding a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think you know they probably best serve either drop, either not playing him or just dropping him down in the order. They don't like like uh, like George Girardi is apt to do. Right, and the other thing I think of with a Rod, uh, and there's a lot to think about with him, but I always remember the uh, the, the poker playing thing, which right. was just again you described it perfectly, just weird. You, you know, yeah, that's you know, the only word to describe it. Yeah, we didn't get it. We didn't get into the steroids. I mean, that's another issue entirely. You know, obviously, and that's another. And that's another very strong parallel between A. Rod and Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter, you know, obviously, his reputation of you know a, a clean guy, a guy who plays the game the right way, always has. You know, you know, not much, not much controversy there. But you know, A. Rod obviously has 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 that stigma hanging over his head too. So you know, there's there's a lot of reasons why why you know why A. Rod will not go down. In history, as one of the one of the great Yankees. I mean, there have been a lot of players that have come through the Bronx that have made their name elsewhere, that have, have started in New York. You know, certainly there's a whole, there's, there's millions of them. You know, Reggie Jackson has come to mind. Um, you know, Catfish Hunter was a great player with the with the Yankees before he the Yankees. And there are a lot of guys like that uh, that have done that. But um, you know, uh, I just don't, don't I just don't think A. Rod is, is is loved in the Bronx. I just I just don't I don't feel that. I don't think he is. And, uh, you know, and the, and the, when the day comes for him to leave, I don't think there'll be too many tears shed at the Yankee Stadium. I really don't. Right. Well, when the day comes for him to leave will be the day he's done playing baseball because I don't think any other team has the slightest interest in him, regardless, even if the Yankees were to uh, pay his salary. I don't. I, I just don't see him ending up with another team. And, uh, yeah, and to me the problem with A-Rod is very simple. Since he's been with the Yankees, is, is it is the shadow of Derek Jeter. He's never been comfortable with that from day one. I just, that's it. Just that simple. No. Um, you know, not his fault. Um, but you know, he, there, there, he had 
weirdness surrounding him well before he went to the Yankees, uh, you know, as well. So uh, he is who he is. And, uh, well, Barry, um, real quick, we're down under two minutes for this segment. But uh, just real quick, I want to get your thoughts on what you expect in the uh, in the other game tonight, which, of course, is the Cardinals-Nationals. Well, I mean, you know, the Cardinals are the two champs, so, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of pressure on them to kind of get back there. Um, you know, uh, I, I, ex- I expect that to be a really good game tonight, too. Um, you know, really good, another uh, really, uh, really good matchup here tonight, Wayne, for the last most of the year for the Nationals. I, I, it's one of those situations where, like, all, all the pressure, I think, is on the Cardinals because they've been there before. You know, the Nationals are, you know, a team that hasn't you know, been to the postseason in forever. Um, the, the, this, this incarnation of this franchise, uh, this is their first trip to the postseason. So, you know, they've had a great season. And, you know, personally, I, I, I would like to see the Nationals win on just a personal note because I would, I would love to see Davey Johnson uh, win another World Series. Um, but that, that's just a, a soft spot, a soft spot in my heart for Davey, you know, from the 86 Mets days. But, um, yeah, that should be a good one too. You know, another another series is going to come down to really good pitching. You know, which team is going to you know, going to come out and, and get the other pitchers tonight? I, I think that's going to be the focus there. And I, you know, I would and similar to the end, Orioles. I expect this to be a you know good pitching duel, and I expect it to be a very close game, and uh, it's going to go down the wire. Um, you know, again, you can't ask for for any more uh, from a playoff series than that going down to one game. Uh, you know, winner take all, and that's and that's that, that's what we watch this for, right? That, these are the kind of games that we want to see as as sports fans. So, uh, you know, these these two series did not disappoint in the least. That's going to be a great night. It really is. Uh, little Northeast uh, baseball, uh, you know, being played in two Eastern cities. Uh, bottom line with the Cardinals, you can't bet against them. They're they're just you, you, that's a team you have to drive, you know, the stake through the heart before they die so uh should be fun well barry let's take our break and on the other side we'll talk a little uh nfl your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports What if there was a program that brought the best in sports and the best of entertainment together in one place? It can be done, and Darnell Autry proves it every week on Outside the Spotlight. In this program, athletes and artists come together to share their success stories, hobbies, professional projects, and more that will interest not only the sports fan, but fans of entertainment and other human interest stories. If you have something you want to ask your favorite athlete or entertainer, listen for Outside the Spotlight, Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Brought to you by Zeiss. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav. Oh boy, do we have a show for you. Our guests this week include author Ron Spomer and Scott Carlson from Carlson's Choke Tubes. Hey, plus we'll have North American Hunting Club's Gordy Crawl and Fez's Forever Bob St. Pierre. When we talk about gun shells, choke tubes, and dogs that have to do with upland game hunting. And it's all brought to you by Ram at RamTrucks.com. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. 
He's at the shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left. to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And back on the line with us is Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And, Barry, I want to start off, uh, we're going to talk a little NFL, but I want to start off with Andrew Luck, uh, his performance in taking the Colts down the field to beat the Packers. I was watching live on NFL Red Zone. I was just so impressed. There was the inspirational aspect of their head coach, Chuck Pagano, being diagnosed with leukemia, so it was really win-one for Chuck. Uh, and basically, my early thoughts uh, on Luck, and RG3, and I think we're going to see this throughout their career, is that RG3, you know, just stormed out of the box and just, like, blew America away in his first couple of weeks. And I think he's going to be great, and I think he's going to win titles. But after watching last week, I think, you know, Andrew Luck is just a little less explosive, more steady, and I just frankly think he's going to win more championships. He just looks like a veteran NFL quarterback already. It's amazing. Well, yeah, and uh, I, I agree with you as far as RG3 and Andrew Luck also. I mean, they both came in at you know, a lot of hype, both highly, uh, a lot expected from both of them. And, you know, they're, they're very different kinds of players, obviously. But I think, you know, of the two of them, I think Luck was probably the guy that a lot of people kind of tabbed as the, you know, prototypical NFL quarterback. You know, even, even while he was playing in his final year last year at Stanford, you could, you could tell that this kid – had, had a great head on his shoulders. This kid was poised. This kid had talent. He could play the game. And, you know, when, when you when you have a situation like you had last week uh, with you know, all the, the emotional factors of that game, you're know, playing a really good team in the, in the Packers and, and being able to pull that game off uh, the way he did, you know, he, he's, he's got the goods, you know, and you, you can see it and you can tell by the way, by the way he carries himself. And, you know, again, really living up to the hype and really kind of showing everyone, like, yeah, okay, you know, I mean, and again, it, he's not the kind of guy that, you know, he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder. He doesn't seem to really have a, you know, out, out to prove anything. He's just a talented, talented football player. He's just a real, he's just a, a you know, he may be a, a prototypical NFL quarterback, like all the scouts said he was. And, you know, now we're, now we're seeing it. Now we're seeing it in the, at the NFL level. And what he's done so far, um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be very long, uh, you know, for the Colts to be, you know, uh, Kind of pulled back up to uh, to relevance again. I mean, they were great you know, when Peyton was there, and we saw what happened to them after Peyton got hurt last year. And you know, it just shows you how much Peyton meant to the team, how much quarterback Because when Peyton was Peyton went down, they didn't have one. Now they have one again. And you know, they the Colts felt strongly enough about Andrew Luck to part ways with with you know, the greatest quarterback, you know, probably outside of Johnny United in that franchise in history. So you know, that that says a lot right there. And for him to be, you know, really showing himself to be living up to that after just five games into his career, uh, that's saying a lot. So, uh, so yeah, I, th- I think he's been terrific, and I think we're going to continue to see him, him improve and continue to see him grow. 
and continue to you know help lift the Colts back to, to the level that they're used to being at the past few seasons. Absolutely, and I was particularly impressed with the emotion he showed running off the field. I thought that was just terrific. Hadn't really seen a lot of that from Andrew Luck, and equally uh, impressed given his intelligence level with his post-game comments, where he said it was basically one of the most inspiring, meaningful athletic events of his young career. So, yeah, he's special. I mean, uh, you know, as I've said often on the show, I covered his father, Andrew Oliver, who was a quarterback at West Virginia University when I covered the Mountaineers. His father was a Rhodes Scholar candidate and uh, went on to play for the Houston Oilers. And... uh, now the athletic director of WVU, so he is serious football genes here, to say the least. And, uh, yeah, no, he, he's special. And uh, speaking of special, we have another special, what I consider a special game this weekend, which is uh, the rematch of the NFC Championship game last year. Giants, 49ers. What are your thoughts on that game? Yeah, that's going to be a great one. I mean, the 49ers have such a great defense. And there's so many ways they can beat you. Um, you know, Alex Smith, I think, is, has evolved into a very, very good NFL quarterback. He, he showed that he kind of stepped up his game a little bit this year, I think. Um, and, you know, you know, what else do you say about the Giants? I mean, everybody knows, um, you know, what they bring to the table, what Eli Manning brings to the table, what their receivers, uh, Victor Cruz. And Keen Nix looks, looks, now looks like he, he may play this week. I think he's, uh, I don't know if he's, the questionable tag is off quite yet. I think they're waiting to see how he looks in practice today, but I think they're feeling a little bit better about his chances of playing on Sunday. So you know, I expect this to be to be a terrific game, and it's going to be the Fox doubleheader game on Sunday. And I think a lot of people are are uh, are looking looking forward to this game too. Uh, very intriguing matchup. Uh, you know, two of the better teams in the NFC, and uh, you know, I I expect a tight game, you know, like a very similar game as as we saw in the. Uh, NFC Championship, so uh, I, I think it'll be, uh, be kind of a repeat. You know, wouldn't surprise either team winning wouldn't surprise me because I think they're both really good. Um, you know, the Giants came off a little sluggish start, but uh, they've kind of you know they've kind of rounded into shape a little bit. And you know, the 49ers obviously off to a good start too. So I think we'll see. Um, I think we'll see more. I think we'll see exactly what we expect to see. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. Well, as we said, it's a rematch of last year's NFC title game, and it could well be a preview of this year's NFC title game. And uh, that's going to lead right into Sunday night's other uh, big matchup of the weekend, which is uh, Green Bay Packers versus Houston Texans. Uh, Texans still undefeated after beating the Jets on Monday night. And uh, basically, uh, it's a must-win for the Packers. That's not an understatement. Uh Every week feels like a must-win for every team, but it's really true for the Packers. And, uh, you know, so that is just going to be a monster matchup. Yeah, and I I think, you know, obviously the the, the Packers are, are, I think they're a better team than the record has indicated this season. Uh, Yes. I I expect them to play well against the Texans, and listen, let's face it, I think Roger Goodell would be very happy to to hear us be talking about this because, um, you know, the parity in the NFL is, is, is what they strive for. They really, really want an equal playing field. And it's very hard for a team to go undefeated. It's extremely hard for a team to go undefeated. So that's why, that's why you know, you've only seen it twice in the history of the league. So, you know, in, 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 in that way, I would say expect the Packers to play well. And expect I, I'm going to pick the Packers to win this game because I, I think they're just 
too talented. You know, they 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 have they, they have to get back on 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 their winning ways. And let's face it, the Texans are not going to go undefeated. They're just not. They're a very good team. Uh, they've got a great running back. They've got a good defense. They have a very good quarterback. Uh, Matt Shaw, you know, Arian Foster is just a, just terrific in the backfield. Um, you know, JJ Watt has just been doing, kind of come out of nowhere to kind of become this almost the uh, folk hero. Uh, as far as uh, defensive the defensive end goes, and getting his uh, leading the NFL sack, and uh, he's become a force to be reckoned with. So they're really good, but they got to lose sometime. And I'm kind of thinking this is going to be the week that for that to happen. Yes, well, I'm a big subscriber to the theory uh, for years have been that you know in the NFL and many other sports, particularly in the NFL, that the most desperate team typically wins, and especially when that desperate team is a quality team, and clearly the Packers are that and more. And, uh, well, Barry, uh, it's hard to believe we've uh, basically come to the end of another show. I really appreciate your expertise, as always. By this time uh, next week, we'll be into our ALCS and NLCS uh, series. Uh, that is my appointment viewing for the weekend uh, is the starts of those two series. But between that, between now and then, we've got two huge games tonight. So once again, Barry, thank you for joining us today. It was great. Thanks for having me, John. All righty. And uh, as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.